0: Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. It's always an honor for me to have you listen and share the podcast. This episode is sponsored by Palm Valley Insurance. Give them a call for your auto and house insurance. They're so great and they save me over $600 a year on all my accounts. They're licensed in California, Nevada, and Arizona. Give them a shot. Call them at 760-775-7256. They will take care of all your insurance needs. Welcome to this uh, week's episode of Talk 10 Rounds with Nancy. And I'm so honored to have the Undisputed Champion with us today, who recently became Undisputed Champion. Uh, I I have to tell you, she became... Champion, WBC champion, then unified champion, then unified—I mean, undisputed champion, Jessica McCaskill. How are you?
1: I'm good. How are you?
0: I'm good. I'm good. I'm here. I'm excited to to have actually have a conversation with you. But you know, last week, um, you know, after you won um, a couple of weeks ago, um, all your belts. I text you but I guess you changed your number and I text (laughs) Rick because I text Rick immediately and I remember you told me it was in the beginning of COVID him to have his trainers belt do you remember when you told me
1: Mm -hmm. yeah I do yeah
0: yeah and it was during the whole COVID thing and we had shut down everything and as soon as as soon as you won I I called Mauricio and I said, Mauricio, we got to do it now. I mean, this is the time. And he's like, he's like, tell him he's getting it. He deserves it in a special ceremony. How did that go?
1: It was great. It was like really amazing to see him get a lot of recognition that he's due. I mean, he's done such a great job with me and my career and he also has a couple other professional females Alejandra Ayla in Mexico and Summer Lynn here in Chicago as well um, he's just he's a man of many talents and he keeps his plate full with working downtown he's in the in the market and um, he has this gym and he runs that and so I don't know where he finds time to sleep honestly but um, I'm so glad for him to get that and it, it means a lot to see like him getting recognition and not just like me.
0: See and and that's what like my heart just melts thinking how can someone that is an undisputed champion like yourself be so humble, humble thinking about thinking others about- not so much about yourself.
1: I mean a lot of that I mean just I guess is the way I was raised and you know just always be humble and I mean, Rick has, he started my career. He was literally the only person that answered my phone call or my email when I got to Chicago to look for a boxing gym. So, you know, it just, it, you know, took a little time to kind of get the feel of everything. You know, St. Louis boxing scene is a lot different than Chicago boxing scene. Um, and so it just took a minute to kind of get adjusted and then it just, it just was home. I knew that was where I was going to stay. And, the, the type of information he would give us and how transparent he was with with us being fighters, him being a coach, the plan going forward, everything just felt so right. And you could kind of just see how other fighters and and their management just weren't meshing well and they weren't getting the right information. And there were a lot of problems that I I wasn't having, which was great so um, he just he he's earned you know everything that he's gotten and he deserves so much more.
0: That's so awesome to hear from you. I, I want to hear about about you know your recent th- time, um, you know everything that has happened recently. But I I want to let the fans, I want to let the listeners, your fans and the listeners of the podcast hear your story because um, I. I actually watched your documentary on Amazon Prime with my girls. My my, I have a uh, at the time she was nine, and then thirteen year old and seventeen year old, and they became huge fans of yours just just by watching the documentary. They hadn't even seen you fight Uh-oh. yet. But uh, <laughs> take us take us back to the first time you stepped into a boxing gym. Um,
1: that was. Actually, in my mid-twenties. Um, I had done sports all my life as like a little girl in between basketball and softball, cheerleading, palms. I did anything just because I just had this competitive, you know, nature inside of me and I wanted to stay active and um, you give it to me and I'm going to take it and run with it. And so I didn't, you know, get into boxing until maybe 24, 25-ish. And, you know, it just it wasn't, it wasn't, there wasn't much there, honestly. It was just kind of, you know, me hanging with a bunch of guys and, you know, and I have three older brothers. So that's kind of what I'm used to. And it was just like starting from the very bottom of kind of the food chain. But, you know, I was already a gym rat and it was was so fun to just, you know, get into it. And I had done like a kickboxing class Uh, for a month before that. And and then I saw the boxing that was on the other side of the gym and that seemed like it was really like calling me. So I started with that and I I just wanted to hit kind of every benchmark as a boxer. I wanted to train. I wanted to spar. I wanted to have my first exhibition bout. I wanted to have my first real fight, uh, first tournament, first national tournament. And that's just kind of how it all shot up.
0: How many amateur fights did you have?
1: Uh, about 25 it's not
0: very many <laughs> no no it's not it's not <laughs> yeah.
1: it, yeah. was Maybe. this was this in St. Louis um part of them some of them were in St. Louis so in St. Louis I mean the the population compared to Chicago I mean it's just it's not there and so there just weren't many girls to fight and I would just I would go to all the fights and the tournaments and hope that there would be somebody there in my weight class to fight, and sometimes there were, and sometimes there weren't. And then um, some of those fights were like regional competition and national competitions, like in Colorado Springs. And then from there I went to, so I probably had maybe like eight or so before I came to Chicago. And then when I got to Chicago, there was at least maybe about four girls in my weight class that, you know, you went around Robin with throughout the year. So I fought each one of those girls probably three or four times. So that helped a lot to at least get my experience up and to get those numbers up. Um, and then it just got to a point where I was getting rid of girls that I had fought before within like 30 seconds, like under a minute. And it was just like you could see the changes in me and, and how I had grown past those particular fighters. And so it was just kind of like, um, I think it's time we go ahead and move to the next step. And that was turning professional.
0: And how was that? Tell us about your first
1: professional fight. It's it's so crazy because Rick would just say, like, you know, your career is going to move really fast. And he would say, um, you know, you're going to you're going to he would say like how I would move past the girls that I'm fighting and that happened. And he would say, you know, you're going to you're going to knock out your first opponent. He would just like say all of these things in advance. And, you know, I trust him with everything. So I'm just like, okay, you know, if he says it's going to happen, then I'm going to do my best to make it happen. He's holding up his side of the bargain. And so I'm going to hold up my side And um, so I just I think he he hyped me up so much that I was just I was ready for it. And, you know, it's kind of like the first time you get hit because of turning pro, you don't have, you know, headgear and you have smaller gloves. And so that first test of like really getting hit is kind of, you know, the moment where, you know, okay this is this is good or I don't know if this is for me. And the first time I got hit in an actual like sparring match. Um, I the, the thing I thought was, oh, OK, that wasn't so bad. Now it's my turn. And that's, that's kind of how it was turning pro. I, I haven't really had any females that have had like massive power compared to the men that we spar. So um, it was it was a good experience and it just made me hungry for more.
0: And, and that's the thing. Um, and I hate to di- differentiate, but I see it a lot here in L.A. with the girls. A lot of them have to spar with guys because there's not enough girls to spar with.
1: Hmm. Yeah. There's. It's either that there's not enough. You know, girls to to fill. You know, the shoes fill the seat, or um, there's just a difference in the athleticism. I mean, if if you don't have, if I don't have another female to spar with that's training two and three times a day, every day out of the week, then, you know, I'm getting someone that can maybe go only a few rounds with me or, you know, we'll have to switch out sparring partners. Whereas if you have a guy that is just naturally stronger or naturally faster, they can hang in there with you longer. And so they give us a little bit more work and their speed and agility helps us to be fast and agile. Um, and it just, it just helps when you have people that are still kind of in that old school way of training where they they run long miles, you know, like three, four, five miles, you know, a day, or they're doing like three, four hours in the gym at one time, or, you know, where as you, you get these sprinters and you know, people who are, you know, only sparring females, you know, and so it just puts us ahead of the curve.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and I wanna focus more on you, but I have to tell you that you're very, very lucky because people like Rick. In this business, Jessica is really, really hard to find—extremely hard. So I think I think it's it's a blessing that you're able to put all that trust in him. That way, you can focus just on 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 your training. I'm not sure if you're still working. I know when I talked to you a few months ago, you still had <laughs> 95.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm still working. I, I went back to work um, the Sunday I got home. I was checking emails, and um, so yes. Yeah, still- <laughs> <laughs> still, working, still working
0: how do you do it how do you find the
1: time i feel like you know filling up all of my time makes everything easy because you just move from one thing to the next um mm-hmm. there are things that i'm starting to realize that i i have to kind of hand over like Honestly, I have to stop cutting my grass because, you know, sometimes it gets gets out of control because I don't have time to squeeze it in and You know, I don't want to tear up the nice things that God's blessed me with, and so it's like, okay, I have to pay for somebody to come cut my grass because otherwise it's going to be a mess, and that would be terrible. So there's some things that I have to have to give up. I like, you know, taking care of the things that I have, and my mom used to teach me how to cut grass when I was in high school. So I I have the capabilities. I just don't have the time for all of that. So it's a struggle when you know how but you can't. So um, I, I have to pick and choose my battles, but pretty much, you know, if I can go from one thing to the next, I don't really have to think about it. I don't have, you know, time to sit down and then tell myself, oh, I have to get back up. You know, I just go from one thing to the
0: next. That, that makes sense. That makes sense to somebody like me because I, I suffer from anxiety. So staying busy, it, you know, filling in every time of my day is what mm-hmm. keeps me healthy mentally. Um, if yeah. I have a break... I might have a breakdown. So I'm like, no, <laughs> no.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's just structure. I mean, I think we, we're just the type of people that feed off of structure and it hasn't done me wrong. So I don't want to change it.
0: All right, And and going back to Rick, he, you know, like I said, you're, he, you're blessed with him because you're able to hand those things to him to help you with. Um, he's a great PR. I swear, if he wasn't doing what he's doing, <laughs> I would totally think he's a PR. Because what he does for you in that sense, I feel has gotten you a lot of the fights that you've gotten, the good ones, you know? Um,
1: yeah, it's extremely, like, talented with how he's able to grab people's attention and to you know, the, his timing, I mean all of it, What's what to say, where to say it, how to say it, and then it's not only that, but he everything he does, he's also teaching. So, you know, he has new fighters coming in right now. He has brand new fighter and, and he's like, Hey, Apple, her name's Apple, mm-hmm. Apple, we got to fix your Instagram. And so they'll <laughs> sit down together and, you know, he'll teach her some of the ins and outs and like one or two times a week, though, they'll, they'll post a couple things and he'll just show her how to do it. And bef- I mean, I started off with Instagram pretty much when I started at that, gym. that's how I found Rick on I Instagram. I remember. I
0: remember, Jessica, yeah, because he told me. He said, Jessica's horrible at Instagram. Horrible, Nancy. He told me. So uh, I need help. So I, you know, through Supreme, I would post you. And I remember you had a different page um, that he would manage yeah. because you would never update
1: your Instagram. yeah that is very accurate i didn't have my real name on there it wasn't it wasn't public and so i've cleaned it up you know extremely mm, better than what it was and um but yeah like i I was saying he, he teaches almost everything that he does there's nothing that he's doing that he hasn't kind of shed light to his fighters of how to do it themselves you know so um, I'm going to have to talk to him about my Instagram page. I didn't know he was successful.
0: <laughs> no, that's awesome. That was That's a great story that I'm sure that when I have him on the podcast that he'll tell about how he contacted <laughs> me about your Instagram and he just ended up making yeah. another one because, you know, you, you weren't cooperating with him.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah but- I,
0: it's all fixed now. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> this was a few years ago, you know, but um, but going back to that there was uh, i don't know if it was uh last year i i believe it was last year when your documentary came out it said from homeless to champion Mm -hmm. i don't want you to give up the whole documentary because I, i know it's still on there and people can go watch it but but can you tell us a little bit about that about that journey
1: Yeah, I mean, the documentary is really great because I take you back to every place that I can remember as a child. Um, And if I'm talking about like nice big houses and in subdivisions to the back of the church that we lived in, because when I was in fourth grade, we were homeless. And um, I actually haven't watched it so long. I don't know how in depth I go, but we we just had we fell on hard times. And I kind of talk about um, just the little things that I saw as a child. So fourth grade, maybe nine years old or so. But the thing is, is like kids, they you, you think they don't know or they don't understand. But kids. They remember things the rest of their life and and they can feed off of energy and they see things and they're smarter than they you think they are and so me being on the other side of that like i kind of just slowly saw this kind of decline and you know there were some things that I, I i saw happening but i didn't really pay attention to it because there were other things that you know distracted me as a kid and you know i still lived a very happy life but um it, the documentary just kind of goes through some of the things that we went through and how we had to really bond together as a family. And a lot of the things I saw my mom go through, because like I said, kids pay attention. Yeah. It just really, it pushed me to, you know, just be a strong woman and, um, just kind of fight through anything. I mean, I feel like if if we've been through that, you know, there's nothing that can stop me, you know? So I just, I've carried that with me my whole life. And, um, that's kind of what i try to share with other other people you know they they haven't been through that experience but they can still get something from that
0: yeah and going through the pandemic you know normal people that are not not fighters are struggling but i know a lot of fighters you know the beginning of a of a fighter's career you get paid very little very very little mm-hmm. so yeah. just imagine those fighters right now that aren't getting fights you're you've been blessed to to get a fight but so many fighters are not fighting right now what what words of encouragement would you give them right now a lot of them have regular yeah
1: yeah i mean you know i think that people everyone will be tested at some time in their life and it's going to be you know testing their will their endurance and you know. you're going to have to fight, you know, physically and and, act, and literally or, or figuratively. Um, and it's just one of those things where if you can get past this. Imagine the things that you can get past um, as a fighter. Specifically, I always tell fighters to stay ready um, and you can't really. I mean, they say boxing is a lonely sport. And sometimes it may feel like that because you're in the gym by yourself. Everybody's gone home, but you got, you know, two more miles around the treadmill, you know, something like that. And you just have to find your own motivation to push yourself because sometimes other people aren't going to be around to, to push you. So, you know, this is a perfect time to, to, test yourself and to push yourself, find ways to motivate yourself and stay ready because even in a pandemic in a situation like this, where, um, there were like like you said I I got a fight and in the midst of fight week mm-hmm. um, one of the guys uh, got he had COVID mm-hmm. so he couldn't fight and so right away Rick is on the phone calling people that he knows that have fighters and say hey. You know, can, do you think you can make it out? I think they're going to be looking for a fighter. And that's the instance where you being ready and you being in the gym, even though, you know, you don't have a fight, you could be the person that gets that phone call and now you do have a fight. So um, boxing is really crazy like that. The The weight can change, the, the belts can change, the opponent can change, the time, location can change, and you just have to stay ready. My fight was originally uh, programmed for – april 17th Mm -hmm. and it got pushed all the way back to august and at at the minute of the cancel we didn't know when it was going to happen or if it was going to happen it was like you know what it doesn't even matter because i'm going to stay in the gym anyway and let's just hope that this everything resolves soon and and we came out on top because of it
0: and not only that the fighters don't understand and they won't until they go through it. You've been through it. I, I've i been through four bubbles. I'm working with the PPC bubble at the PPC bubbles. Um, it's different. You have to stay in your room for a couple of days. You have to, you can't go to the gym. You got to work out in your room. The food, if you don't go prepared, all you're going to get is hotel food. Um, mm-hmm. you, you literally have to go either on weight or with a good game plan because the requirements are different now with COVID when you're gonna yeah we
1: had we had a a bubble and like I said we they wanted us there a week before so that's seven days of you know you're not really sure what's gonna happen so we took a few tests before we left we got there uh we got you know through the paperwork and all that they showed us to our room and then I wasn't allowed to Rick for I think two or three days Mm. and it's like that's the only team member i had out there so you know we're just messaging each other and security escorted me to um, the workout room for one hour every day and everything else was in my room they dropped off like a grocery bag a plastic bag of like your meals for the day and um so it was it was definitely different from any other experience that i had but with with us trying to be as safe as we could here in Chicago, the only places we were really going were home and to the gym. Mm-hmm. I may go to the pet store or something, but usually I would just try to have stuff delivered so I didn't have to go out. So we were already prepared for those situations, whereas some other people might have been going like bonkers in the room, you know, yeah. for that long. So um we we definitely were prepared and came out on top from from all of the preparation that we did in Chicago.
0: Yeah, because we have to be there a week before as well. And the fighters arrive on Monday and they're like, when can I use the gym? And I said, if everybody tests negative Wednesday, you'll have one hour to go. And some of them would get upset with me saying, how am I supposed to make weight if I can't even go to the gym? You know, but these are things that I feel the fighters should be aware of because it's not Mm going to be the same fight week as you have before COVID
1: yeah i mean you have to be prepared i mean bring bring plastic if you need it you can jump rope in your room shadow box in your room run that hot bath i mean you have to have a plan a b c and d you know just because it's like you've gotten this far it would be a mess a shame if you know something how ha- you you lost on the scale or you know something like didn't even get to the fight you know
0: yeah yeah definitely so okay let's move away from covid i want to know about Mm -hmm. your first championship fight tell us about that
1: um my first title fight or my first championship win
0: your championship (laughs) championship win when yeah yeah when when you won your wbc
1: you know what i want to hear both
0: i want to hear both
1: Okay, well, let's start with 2017. That was my first title fight, and that was for the WBA at 135 pounds, um, and that was Katie Taylor. We jumped on that fight after media had circulated where Katie and Eddie had said that, you know, nobody wanted to fight Katie, and they called, like, 20 people, and here comes Rick. He said you didn't call us. (laughs) And I, I'm pretty sure he put his actual phone number out on Twitter. Um, and so we got some phone calls from Ireland and some interviews and they, I think one of the interviewers said, do you have your passport? He's like, yeah, we got our passport. We'll come to Ireland. We'll go to Pluto if we have to, like, you know, Rick, he just kind of gets crazy. So, um, that (laughs) took took us there, got a lot of traction, got us there, um, it was really it was really interesting to be um overseas it was it was it was nice um we had a lot of people that showed us a lot of love we got some gyms to work out in um fight night was a little weird um we we weren't really given like a, an actual um locker room it was like something really random and so there was like you know discussion there and finally they were they put us in like a shared locker room with like some of the other guys and it was your call your and call historic so wherever we were like the bathroom type thing it was like cold and damp and um so it was one of those things where it's like okay you know that's okay and and we'll just work through this kind of thing you know everything is not going to be a hundred percent you know you're not going to get your gloves, you know, delivered to you on a gold platter. You know, it's just, um, have to be prepared for anything that can happen. Um, so I had a lot of fans out there because the bank, the investment bank that I was working for at the time had uh, a London location. So I would say we were very, fairly split with the fans that were um, in your call with us. Mm-hmm. And um, at the last minute, the fight caught so much traction. Like at the last minute, Showtime Um, And Facebook, you know, paired up and and had it on Facebook Live for the people to watch, you know, because it it wasn't on anything other than, I think, Sky Sports. So everybody got to watch it back home and um, it was it was like bananas. So um, that was my first title fight. Um, And then my second title fight wasn't actually supposed to be a title fight Mm -hmm. originally. That wasn't, you know, what we had talked about with eddie it was they had um the world's collide fight happening and there were a lot of different people from a lot of different backgrounds and Mm -hmm. a lot of different country flags that were represent represented and so um we were gonna fight um i forget her name but she i believe she's argentinian Uh, Erica,
0: erica farias
1: no, it was another girl that we were supposed to fight originally. Uh, we went to Eddie called Rick and you know just said, "Hey, come to the press conference." So we showed up, and it was down the street at the winter arena. They had just built it; it was brand new. And uh, we went. Eddie came in, came over, had conversation. We just said, "Hey, we, we just want to fight. Whatever you need, you need an eight rounder, you need a ten rounder. We'll, we just want to help the card, and we want to fight." So threw out a name we said yes no hesitation um and then later he ended up calling and said how would you like to fight at super uh lightweight for the wbc fight eric farias and we said yes so um it was a little crazy fighting in your hometown you have a lot of obligations a lot of radio stations tv stations um reporters coming in it's kind of non-stop work um, helping out with the card if the promoters need t-shirts made you know you're the home t- you're the home team so you know where to go and how to get there and so we did as much as we could and um house uh had a we were the house gym so um U-Sick was there and big baby was there and a lot of the other guys from london were there so it was, it was definitely a good time good network um fighting in the winters was Ridiculous. It's built just perfectly where you feel like the fans are right there in front of your face, and it's a beautiful um, venue. And um, it was a really good fight. I felt like I felt like that was one of my better fights um, that I had and was able to perform. And then, you know, they announced and new, and it's just like this amazing moment where I feel like the whole place just like erupted. Wow. And as we're walking out of the ring um I didn't know my mom had stuck in town what? and you know <laughs> they're taking <laughs> us back to you know check get checked with the doctor and do interviews and she like kind of like hops out of like the stands and I'm just like oh my god like I broke down it was oh man insane.
0: I want to cry right now
1: <laughs> yeah so um there's a picture where like we're embracing and I just was like I, you know I'm just glad she was there to see it
0: And you had no idea. She probably didn't want you to get nervous.
1: I don't know. I mean, I had no idea, and um, she was hanging out with Rick's mom actually. So (laughs) Rick was like, I don't, I don't know. My brother knew, and um, so she definitely snuck in, and so I hung out with her that night, and um, it was, it was good for sure.
0: And then, um, and then you had your unification.
1: Mm-hmm. in maryland in um may of 2019 that was a, a, a nice venue a nice area a lot of um open land to kind of get your your workouts in and everything it was very very nice to be there they had the weigh-ins like on a on a like a dock area um very nice very well done and um you know it was just one of those things where i had to solidify the fact that i do belong on this level i mean no world champion you know a lot of people will throw a lot of hate at you and, and just kind of call things a fluke or I don't know and so it's just I just need to solidify that for my fans and for every my team everything I had worked so hard for and um that fight that fight was a was really crazy and very um I, I guess you could say maybe messy I don't know if that's the word I want to use but right before we went out we were in the locker room and eddie came in and he said you're gonna unify the division and if that doesn't get you pumped up i don't know what does and so um a lot of like the proper game plan kind of went out of the of the window and i was swinging for the fences on on some things and um got my first cut my first cut from like a, a headbutt and in like maybe the ninth round and the 10th round actually won me round of the year um, by Ring Magazine uh, because most of the time fighters will just kind of pay pat the last round, make it through those two or three minutes if you're a guy. And um, we, we slugged it out and it was very exciting, very exciting. So um, I was I was very happy with that fight even though it was not exactly as planned.
0: And was it the same feeling as when you won your first title fight?
1: Well, it was um, it was a little different because I thought the fight was particularly close. And mm-hmm. I think the scorecards were wider than how I felt the fight went. Um, and so, you know, I just, I felt like there was a little bit of conflict, you know, internally with me there, but... Um, it was still an amazing feeling. I spent a lot of time at the hospital because I had to get, you know, stitches. And so it was just a really, really long night. And Rick stayed with me the whole time. And um, I think we had, like, vending machine, like, candy bars or something to celebrate. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's, so crazy. it's so crazy, right? Because, yeah. like, like, the aftermath of a fight, a lot of people think hey, uh, we're partying or we're celebrating, going to dinner, whatever. But let me tell you a quick story. Do you remember when Sai knocked out Chocolatito? Oh,
1: yeah, like, yeah, know, yeah. Kind of
0: yeah. Yeah, we, you know, a few of us, uh, Jesse Vargas uh, and a few of us from Supreme, we went to the hospital with him and because we were very concerned and he's a friend we mm-hmm. stayed there with in the waiting room until like five o'clock in the morning, and Uh-oh. and and some of the guys went to go get tacos, um, you know, just because we, at that point we're hungry, we hadn't had yeah. dinner. We're like, I don't know, we don't know when he's getting out, but we're gonna stay here till he does. And it just turns out that when the tacos got there, Chocolatito was getting out with his manager Carlos, and um, and we're like, hey, let's let's eat. Are you okay? Let's eat. And you know what he said? He said. Now, this is what I call breaking bread with family because,
1: oh.
0: you know, it, it. it's I've been there through wins and losses with fighters and yeah. every experience is different. I've never been to an after party because I'd rather be, you know, in the living room or, or hanging out or just it's different it's a different type of intimacy you know that you have after a fight. yeah and so like your vending machine story just reminded (laughs) me of that because uh you're never gonna forget it you're never gonna forget it
1: yeah it's funny because I've seen like on different like kind of uh, like 24-7 type of documentary things where Mayweather will have a cut or something. And he's like, I'll go to the hospital later. Like he spends time <laughs> with his family and with his kids. And then he goes to the hospital. I'm like, man, I should have done that. But um yeah, we're, we're not the type to have after parties. We have our group, the people who have been with us through training camp, through all, you know, blood, sweat and tears and people who, you know, are, are helping us, you know, run errands while it's fight week, you know, going to get you know, lemonades or you know waters for the for the room, or making sure the person that's braiding my hair knows how to get to my hotel room. Like people who are really, really in it; those are the people I want to be with after the fight.
0: Yeah, definitely. And after your unification fight, you had your rematch with Farias, um, mm-hmm. which was a messy fight. That was a messy fight, it was, yeah. right? You agree. <laughs>
1: yeah, I don't think um I don't think there's a lot of referees that will jump to call on holding. and it just so happens that I get held a lot. I think it's it's a thing where the pressure gets to the fighters or the power for the punches gets to the fighter, and they can only think to hold to kind of save themselves. And um you know I, I should have done a better job. My, I can't you know blame anyone but myself. I should have done a better job. To foresee that and to change up my defense plan, and um, it just, yeah, it was messy. It was.
0: I watched that fight at Victoria's Secrets. I was at, I was at the store <laughs> watching it on the Zoom. <laughs> I Just want to uh, say, you I did
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: but you know, people should have taken you seriously in the beginning. But at this point, you're defending your titles. And people are calling out your name left and right. I can beat her. I can beat Jessica. Give me Jessica. Yes or no?
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, Rick always says that I translate horribly over tape. Um, so when somebody sees a fight on TV, they're like, oh, that's she's just a messy fighter, blah, blah, blah. I can do whatever. And it's like, OK, you say that now until you feel that pressure or until you, you experience the angles that I give or the power that I have in my punches.
0: Yeah, and, and then, you know, the, your next fight gets announced, which you told us about earlier, but then it's rescheduled and uh, for August 15th this year, mm-hmm. and it's probably the biggest, I mean, it is the biggest fight of your life
1: yeah i think every fight at this point is uh the biggest fight in my life (laughs) it's it's just elevated every time so um and i think that the extra time that we got was was used very well i mean even even from a point of like you said rick with his pr and marketing he created no days off on his youtube page because you wanted people to get to know me a little bit better. And we've always tried to stay in front of, um, social media and just be very seen. And, you know, just people, I just want people to know who I am. You know, um, there's kids that, you know, look up to me and I, I want them to know what they're getting. Like they're, I'm just not like a face on the TV and then just a, a, not a good person behind the scenes. Like, you know, what you see is what you get. And I want them to be able to see everything that we do in the gym and, you know, my regular life and, um, so No Days Off was a great, the team and the gym and just kind of, you know, how we do things. So that was a great uh, way to use our, our extra time as well as the, the way that we train.
0: And, you know, before I go into this fight a little deeper, um, I, at the you haven't been to one, but at the WBC convention in the Philippines uh, two years ago, um a lot of women are expecting their promoters or others to promote them um, but no you and your team have have taken it in your hands to promote your career your teammates careers um, to put you guys out there and get the fights how important is it for for each each fighter not only women but every fighter to promote themselves
1: it's it's mandatory in this day and age it's mandatory um you have to be on social media you have to um, have meet and greets where people see you in person um you have to like for instance myself i I was raised in Belleville, illinois and i um went to st louis after college and then i moved to chicago and so i try to keep in contact with people from All of those places. So I was in the St. Louis um, Post Dispatch. I believe it was last week because I still have those connections with St. Louis, and I'm still making sure that you know they feel the connection as well. And so we were able to get an article out in the newspaper, and um, same thing with Belleville. So it's just like it's kind of nonstop, and I can't expect. Rick to know the same people that I know from my hometown, you know. So, you know, your your manager, promoter, they're only going to do so much, but you should be trying to match that as much as you can. Whether it's you know you, you're going to go live, you know, once a month, or you're going to post in your story um, every other day, or you know, just you have to be active.
0: Yeah, definitely, De- definitely. I always tell fighters that they have to stay active. And then, so, anyways, you're gonna fight Cecilia Breakus. She has this opportunity to make history and break Joe Lewis's um, record. You have a beautiful story that you want to continue. So it's like two beautiful women with two beautiful stories get in the ring. That that to me was like wow. That was the biggest fight ever. Because both of yeah. you were fighting for, for your stories, basically.
1: I felt like everything was just coming together almost like just seamlessly from um, you know, the Cecilia story that I have where I met I met her after the Katie fight in 2017. I went on holiday, I went to Vegas, I went to see Holly Home and Cyborg fight. And Rick, you know, being the manager that he is, he's like networking for me while I'm in Vegas and he's in Chicago. He's like, hey, so-and-so is in this row, this section, this seat. Go say <laughs> hello, take a picture. <laughs> like, I kid yeah. not. Um, so I, I, I found a couple people, took a couple pictures, said hello. And Cecilia was one of those people. So I met with her after the fight. Uh, we take a picture together. It's, it's on my Instagram. And, um, you know, the typical boxer pose where you put your fist up And I thought to myself, I don't want to have a picture out there where our fists are compared in size because I have big hands. And I thought I could fight her one day. Back in December of 2017, I said I could fight her one day. Mm
0: -hmm. And then,
1: you know, so I put my hand down and we posed nice and we get the picture and whatnot. And um, later they they asked if I could come out for uh, a camp for her for a fight she was getting ready for. And we declined because, again, me and Rick, we both thought we could fight her one day. We don't want to give her a free look. And then I was actually supposed to be her last fight on HBO Network. And we were in negotiations. And, you know, Eddie said, ask us to let the offer expire. And we would just work with him. And so that's what we did. So that fight didn't happen then. And finally, it came around. And I was like, OK, now it's time. You know, after after years and years, it was just kind of like, OK, now it's time. So... Um, it just, it was just, you know, I felt like all I had to do was get in there and fight. We had done the training. We had waited for this fight. Um, and we got extra time. I mean, I mean, what else could go better for us, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, we're in this bubble and we're already ready for the bubble. The bubble was great for me. It worked out well. Um, the fight is literally outside of the hotel on the corner, um, the weather is very Midwest weather, um, ninety degrees or so, and a storm rolls in. Uh, we almost fought one fight before ours, and uh, it, it just didn't end up working out. And as bad as right when I go outside, it had dropped maybe like ten degrees, and I felt like a cool breeze. Mm-hmm. So the whole time I'm fighting, I didn't even I didn't even think about the weather. It was not even um, an element for me and you know it just felt like hey okay, this is time and we get in and you know I kind of see her like kind of like scowling and staring from the other side I can't really tell I wear glasses so yeah. the more people try to intimidate me from the corner it's just I hear about it later and it's kind of funny because I can't see them so <laughs> it doesn't matter <laughs> um, well I
0: guess that's a good thing <laughs>
1: Yeah, it just every, everything works well. I just have like this kind of tunnel vision and these blinders and so um you know the bell rings and the the goal for us was to figure out what their game plan was. We we had backup plan after backup plan after backup plan. So I'm moving and throwing punches and I'm moving and then I kind of stop and I see that she's coming towards me. Mm-hmm. And so I'm thinking, OK, the game plan is to go forward. And that's exactly what I want. Come to me and, you know, I'll I'll get you out of there as soon as I can. And so we we just kind of go at it and, you know, I'm giving her angles. I'm, I'm giving her a lot of left hooks. She holds. Um, but she doesn't hold in a way to stop me from punching. She just holds to kind of take a rest. Yeah. And we practice. That. We practice getting left arm held, throw right uppercuts right up the middle. Same thing on the other side. Um, I was able to catch her a lot with that and um, just kind of keep coming forward nonstop. And, you know, I think those a lot of the things that we practiced during COVID that really put us ahead of the curve. And we were we were ready for everything. All the things that you didn't see us execute was because we thought, Okay, maybe she'll jab and move, and so she didn't do that, and so there's a whole lot of things you didn't get to see that night. But um, what you did see, we practiced, and that was important, and got us the win.
0: And when the when the announcer is reading the scorecards, what's going through your head?
1: Oh my gosh! So the first one's a draw. Yeah, and I'm thinking, is Coach going to be okay with the draw? (laughs) <laughs> and then I hear, the, <laughs> I hear the other two and I'm like, that's like a, that's a nice gap. I was like, that has to be me. Mm-hmm. And so I just started saying in my head and new, and new," And I, it, it was the longest four seconds of my life. I think it was a four, <laughs> four second pause and he says it. And I just, I just wanted to high five everybody on my team. Like I felt like I could hear the crowd yelling in my, in my head because there was no crowd out there yeah. and it was just like it was just massive. And somebody asked me, you know, how'd you feel? You know, and the whole night, the only word that I can really explain it is I felt unbalanced. It was just so much like we, we had gone through so much. I had sacrificed so much, you know, I'm in the gym more than I'm at home, you know, just it's, it's insane the way that we prepare for these kind of things. And, it was just extreme happiness because I know the people that were rooting for me and that had backed me from the very beginning and friends and family and nobody could actually be there. And um, so there was just a lot of emotion and coach, like I, I said in my, my um, acceptance you know, speech, if you will, um, coach told me a couple nights before the fight to, to do this for myself, not for him, not for anyone else. And I had to kind of think, well, what does that mean? And it's like, that, that means, you know, this is for all of the real hardships that I've been through. This is for um, every piece of me that wasn't really strong enough to get through it, but got through it anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I just was, I was very happy to kind of match some of the harder times in my life with such an amazing one.
0: And, and what has been the hardest fight outside of the ring for you?
1: Um, probably just, just as a kid, everything really stems from when I was younger because everything after that, I felt like I was invincible. I I tell people I have superpowers and they don't believe me, but, (laughs) um, just as a kid, you know, and not being able to change things, not really being able to help, you know, um, you can only do so much as like a nine-year-old, you know? Um, and, and just wanting to kind of change the world for people. And, and I try to do that as much as I can now. I, I you know, volunteer, I donate money. I, I have to rescue pit bulls. I mean, just like, gosh, any way I can help this world just be a better place, my heart is so there. So um, I think it's just a lot of the times where I, I didn't have the ability to do that. And those are probably some of the harder times.
0: And now you're you're called undisputed what does that mean to you
1: um that's ridiculous because i don't i i never really planned like that far ahead i think you know at the very beginning there's actually a picture um in the gym of me signing my my management contract with rick in 2015 and then right next to it there's a picture of me with all the belts it's like that is like ridiculous I mean the, I think as far as I had really planned ahead was um okay who's the best person at 135 pounds and at the time it was Delphine Pursun, and I was like okay I'm gonna have to fight her one day like that's all I, all I thought I was like, okay I'm gonna have to go and I'm gonna have to win and I'm gonna have to fight her and then I'm gonna have to win that and I think that's as far as I really got in my head and so you know just to kind of like go and surpass and shoot so far to the top so fast i mean like rick said it's gonna happen fast so um it's just really kind of unbelievable but you know i just i want to share that with everybody chicago's so happy to to see the belt and to be a part of it and even just to cheer cheer us on um the part glad to be a part of the fitness classes that we have at body shop boxing club like everything so it just it's great to be able to share that with everyone
0: as a little girl did you dream of this
1: one day um as a little girl I wanted to be a teacher and I also wanted to be internationally known I don't know what what movie I got that from but I just had to be internationally known and <laughs> i'd say I got
0: there <laughs> definitely so now you gotta you gotta you got more goals to plan now you know more dreams yeah
1: yeah uh, yeah and it's it's to the point now where um I, i'll have some goals for myself very specifically for myself but then you know it gets into um again following the lead of rick and um staying under his tutelage to where i'll, I'll start signing fighters and i'll do my own management and i'll help with the fighters that he has you know we have Summerlin who's 19 2 and 0 147 pounds um You know, I could fight her one day just depends on how things go and how fast she comes up or 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 I could be on her management team. Um, So I just there's so much more to do and and so, so much more to be involved in with other people's careers, you know.
0: And and now recently this week, um, it was announced that Cecilia wants her belt back.
1: I don't know if she said that. I know she, she said did. she wanted a rematch. She
0: <laughs> tweeted that out. She tweeted that out. Okay. okay.
1: <laughs> gotcha. Okay. I, I obviously don't follow her because I, I didn't. So see that. I, Sorry. I, always, um, I always
0: tell the fighters it, 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 um, it's not easy to become a champion but it's so much harder to stay a champion. You've been able to stay a champion and now you have to—you have that mission to stay undisputed. I mean, the work yeah. doesn't get easier. The work gets harder,
1: right? Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, and that's part of when people say like, this next fight you have is the biggest fight of your life. Every fight going from here, every fight since probably 2018 has been the biggest fight of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, because it does it gets bigger and you, ha- you have to fight people on a certain level like i can't go out and fight a pro if you were, i would look terrible yeah. Um i have to fight people of a certain caliber and you know those are people who are going to have belts who are undisputed who have no losses so yeah it's, every fight from here on out is probably going to be the biggest fight of my life so um that's the goal is, is to stay on top
0: um yesterday there was a post on supreme boxing um i'm not sure if you saw it from uh heather hardy where um you know how women because she she was talking about how women are not getting paid with what they deserve and i was i was reading through the comments today uh ava knight actually responded to a few of them and it's it's really horrible you know what 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 some of these guys say about women in boxing, that it's not exciting, uh, they're not drawing a crowd. What would you respond to all these? Uh, it's mostly guys, so I'm, I have to say guys, um, saying that women are not drawing a crowd, uh, that's why they're not getting paid enough.
1: I think I think my comment would be more towards um, the female fighters who who are having these certain issues and you know it's there's a couple different parts of it there's you have to make sure that you're staying in the gym you have to be ready because when you get a phone call and you say no or i need more time or i'm not in the gym right now then they're not going to call you back or they're not going to take you seriously and then it's going to be hard to get fights going forward um you have to be an exciting fighter, you know, and, and that is going to change upon whose opinion it is. you know, you have to look for knockouts, you, you have to look for the excitement in, in your fight, whatever that may be. And also, if if you feel like you're not getting paid properly for the fight that someone's offering you, then that's when you have to say no. If you feel like you're worth more than the payment, then you say no and you wait for the proper payment. Um, a lot of times people will say yes to, you know, terrible deals or, you know, um, terrible contracts or just very low pay and that changes, you know, how it goes going forward. That person's never gonna pay anyone. If you if you take a, a fight for a hundred dollars, they're not gonna pay anyone more than a hundred dollars going forward. So you have to change the narrative there and, and be the person that says no, if that's how you feel it should go. Um to the to the people who you know don't find female f- boxing exciting I don't think they're actually watching it <laughs> I don't I don't know what they're seeing I mean we've had uh, Terry Harper and Natasha Jonas we've had my fight with Cecilia we had um, Katie Taylor and uh, Delphine Persoon. I mean um, I, and there was another fight forgive me I, I don't remember their names but there was another fight um, overseas as well and we've literally been like most of the entertainment for the whole month and yeah. so it, it's you're either watching it and you're saying you're not watching it or, you know, you're, you're not looking at it at all. So I don't know. Um, you you kind of have to ignore uh, some of the people that are going to throw out hate. You know, I, I get a lot of hate and you have to just kind of let it roll off your back and you have to keep pushing and keep fighting and do everything you can to make the sport better.
0: And honestly, honestly, sometimes the women's fights are more exciting than the men's.
1: Yeah, I feel like mathematically they 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 have to be. You have less time to execute the same goal, and so it's gonna be exciting. You're gonna females. We throw, you know, for the fences. We throw for knockouts. We, it's the action is there. I mean, you'll get guy fights where you know they kind of like punch, and they take a break. And they step around the ring a lot. And, you know, honestly, when I'm in the ring, I feel like I don't have time for that. I have to get my points in. I have to get my punch count up. I have to get, you know, wear the other person down. So I don't know. I just feel, I feel like we do a good job of entertainment. So that's why I say, you know, don't let those comments bother you. People will say anything when they don't have to show their face or when they're able to hide behind a keyboard. Yeah.
0: And you do. You you have two minutes which is one less minute than the guys so you do have less time to put in a lot more of that work
1: yeah and even even at the at the highest scale of 10 rounds that's two rounds less than the highest scale of a men a men's fight
0: mm-hmm. so. yeah definitely so um so what's the game plan are you guys are, are you guys doing this rematch
1: <laughs> Um, yeah, it looks like it's, it's going to be, um, probably not set for this year, but, um, you know, we're, we're going to work everything out, all the details and, you know, me, I, I'm still in the gym. I haven't stopped being in the gym. So <laughs> we're going to be ready. So the gym and working
0: is still, it's still nine to
1: five it's uh, 6 a.m to 3 p.m oh to my be geez. exact um, <laughs> and so i have to get my gym time in i get up at 3 30 in the morning we are at our strength and conditioning at 4 45 in the morning every monday wednesday and friday and seven on saturdays we have sparring every tuesday thursday sunday and then we have um two workouts that we're expected to do every day outside of um those workouts Jeez, no wonder Rick is up so early. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, he's. Oh my gosh, I'll, I'll see a tweet at like five, and I'm like, here we go, starting <laughs> off already. <laughs> I no, I
0: see them because he tags me on them, and I'm like, okay, Rick's awake. <laughs> Rick's awake, and I, I'm a night owl, so sometimes he's waking up when I'm barely going to sleep. Honestly.
1: Oh my goodness. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I
0: think I'm on the phone till until like three, sometimes four a.m that's my that's my time that's that's my my time yeah (laughs) I have four kids so I don't have a lot of time in the day but um one of the questions that I got I I didn't even get to the questions uh and we're gonna run out of time but um, one of the questions, Jessica, you don't have to answer, but one of the questions that I got from a lot of guys is, do you have a boyfriend? Okay. Are you available?
1: <laughs> uh, I, I will keep that information anonymous.
0: <laughs> she's going to remain unless a mystery. They unless they do unless they
1: have to worry about that.
0: <laughs> she's going to remain a mystery, so you guys just got to dig for it through her. The, um, yeah. I, di- I did want you to send a message to all the amateur kids that are not active right now um, I'm actually gonna go take my, my girls right now to the gym, to the boxing gym uh, because they're all still working out and they're all still wishing to get back in the ring and what what would you tell them to not get discouraged and just wait this out until the next tournament comes?
1: Yeah. I mean, when things open up, it's going to be, it's probably going to open up a lot of doors. There's going to be a lot of fights and and you want to be ready. You want to participate in as much as you can. If there's anything else that you can do to switch up your workout or, or just add to it, watch fights, go to YouTube, find some, some fighters that maybe have the same style see if you can work on different things every other day um there's a lot to do in boxing and whether it's footwork head movement punches defense offense um there's a ton of things you can work on so so don't be discouraged and, and change your focus to your workout instead of being discouraged and when everything opens up you'll be ready
0: i think it's a mixture of discouragement and and distraction because social media is is at a point right now that it's it's brainwashing a lot of kids so they're going a different direction they're doing tiktok videos they're doing um i, I just had a conversation with my daughters yesterday about that wap song from cardi b because <laughs> for some odd reason you tell me and i'm gonna put this on the podcast and my daughters can hear um my oldest daughter and my middle daughter say that it's a woman encouragement song or empowerment women empowerment song and I'm like, how is that a women empowerment song? And she said, why can men talk about women parts, but women can't talk about their parts? So that was my 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 little. It wasn't an argument; it was a conversation I had with the girls because I I don't want them dancing to that. I just it makes me feel a certain kind of way, you know.
1: Yeah, I think I think the song um, brings attention to. Something that's just very not, I, and I'm old school, so maybe it's me. It's something that's not normal, and and if somebody if somebody was talking about you know something, it, it just it's very personal when somebody's bringing up those things. And so I wouldn't let you know a man talk about my body that way. And so I'm not going to talk about my body that way. As soon as you open up that door, then people think that they can you know talk to you any kind of way or they can reference. Your body in any kind of way and so you have to like shut that down you know and and as soon as somebody says something about their body parts that they don't like then it's bad you know it's like you opened this door a long time ago and you were singing about it and you were dancing and so I feel like you have to really remain in uh, a certain you know you point to people and that starts with how you treat yourself and how you uh, portray yourself to other people Um, And so I would not call that a woman in power. When you said that, my eyes shot open. And like I said, that's my point of view. And uh, if I had daughters, they would not be singing that song or dancing to it either. Um, And, you know, I was raised in a Christian home. My mom's a pastor. So like I said, I could be very old school, but that's how I would run my house.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you. And. And to all the kids, don't don't believe everything on social media. Don't get distracted by social media, especially if you have you're in some type of sport. Just like Jessica said, keep yeah. bettering yourself. And, and so when things do open up, you will be a better fighter, a better soccer player, a better basketball player, whatever you're doing.
1: And there's, there's things on social media where you can you can watch other people do um, soccer drills or Uh, boxing drills or you can post your own things. I mean, keep the focus on the sport. Stay focused in what you're doing. Um, Doesn't mean that you can't get on TikTok. I mean, there's going to be things that are very helpful there. I mean, Fernando Vargas is always on Instagram with his sons and they're doing drills and they video everything. So, I mean, there's definitely positive things out there that will help you with your goal.
0: Yeah, definitely. So when are you coming to L.A.? Because I really want to meet you in person
1: i don't know i haven't been to cali um so yeah i gotta get i gotta get over there we'll have to see when everything opens up i don't know um i want to say rick was saying something about la but i can't remember what it was for so it may be sooner than you think okay um, I'm definitely up for it <laughs> okay, so
0: when you do come give me a call so we can do something at the wbc office and go out to dinner and stuff like that hang out we could do a meet and greet here tell Rick that and he'll be in a heartbeat (laughs) (laughs) that sounds
1: awesome for sure we will definitely stay connected
0: we we look forward to your next fight is there anything you want to tell the fans before we let you go
1: Yeah, you can find me on all social media at Jessica McCaskill. You can find Rick at Rick Ramos Boxing. Um, Message us if you want an autographed picture. Just let let us know. We'll send that out. Um, And I'm just so thankful for everyone for listening and tuning in for the follows, for the likes, for the comments, for the inspiration, for sharing your story with me. That's important to me. So thank you guys so much for tuning in.
0: Hey, Jessica, what about if we give away an autographed picture or glove on Supreme Boxing this week? Um, If people, um, well, you know, people that are listening on the podcast.
1: Yeah, that sounds good.
0: I'll talk to Rick and, and, and we'll do it. We'll do it. Yeah,
1: for sure for sure
0: I, I love your story jessica i know you got to be up early because tomorrow's wednesday you <laughs> have strength and conditioning <laughs> so um i hope i really hope to see you soon congratulations on everything your story is so insp- i'm gonna tell my kids you want to be inspired you want women empowerment follow jessica mccaskill not not cardi b <laughs> <laughs> so oh, there we go. No, there we go. But thank you so much for your time and congratulations again. Um and yeah, hope to see you soon.
1: Sounds good. Thanks so much for having me. Bye guys. Thank you, Jessica. Bye bye.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. It's always an honor for me to have you listen and share the podcast. This episode is sponsored by Palm Valley Insurance. Give them a call for your auto and house insurance. They're so great and they save me over $600 a year on all my accounts. They're licensed in California, Nevada, and Arizona. Give them a shot. Call them at 760-775-7256. They will take care of all your insurance needs.